Chapter forty eight of the Fortunes of Glencore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Fortunes of Glencore by Charles James Lever. Chapter forty eight. How a sovereign treats with his minister. What can have brought them here, Stubber? said the duke of massa as he walked to and fro in his dressing-room with an air of considerable perturbation be assured of one thing they have come for mischief i know that sablukoff well she it was separated prince max from my sister and that montenegro affair was all her doing also i don't suspect don't you well then i do sir and that's enough said he interrupting and as to upton he is well known throughout Europe. A mauvais coucheur, Stubber, that's what the Emperor Franz called him. A mauvais coucheur, one of those fellows England employs to get up the embarrassments she so deeply deplores. Eh, Stubber, that's the phrase, while we deeply deplore the condition of the kingdom. That's always the exordium, to sending out a fleet or an impertinent dispatch. But I'll not endure it here. I have my sovereign rights, my independence, my allies. By the way, haven't my allies taken possession of the opera house for a barrack? That they have, sir, and they threaten an encampment in the court gardens. An open insult, an outrage, and have you endured and submitted to this? I have refused the permission, but they may very possibly take no heed of my protest. And you'll tell me, that i am the ruler of this state no but i'll say you might if you'd like to be so how so stubber come my worthy fellow what's your plan you have a plan i'm certain but i guess it turn protestant hunt out the jesuits close the churches demolish the monasteries and send for an english frigate down to the marina where there's not water to float a fishing boat but no sir i'll have no such alliances I'll throw myself upon the loyalty and attachment of my people, and I'll raise the taxes, eh, Stubber? We'll tax the colza and the quarries. If they demur, we'll abdicate. That's my last word, abdicate. I wonder who this sick man can be that accompanies Upton, said Stubber, who never suffered himself to be moved by his master's violence. Another firebrand, another emissary of English disturbance, hardenberg was perfectly right when he said the english nation pays off the meanest subserviency to their own aristocracy by hunting down all that is noble in every state of europe there sir he hit the mark in the very centre slaves at home rebels abroad that's your code we'll contrive to mix up a fair share of liberty with our bondage sir in your talk only in your talk and in the newspapers stubber I have studied you closely and attentively you submit to more social indignities than any nation ancient or modern i was in london in fifteen and i remember at a race-course ascot they called it the prince had a certain horse called rufus i rode him said stubber dryly you rode him yes sir i was his jock for the king's plate there was a matter of twenty-eight started the largest field ever known for the cup and rufus reared and falling back killed his rider and the duke of dunrobin sent for me and told me to mount that's the way i came to be there 
Perbacco, it was a splendid race, and I'm sure I never suspected when I cheered you coming in that I was welcoming my future minister. Eh, Stubber? Only fancy what a change. Stubber only shrugged his shoulders, as though the alteration in fortune was no such great prize after all. I won two thousand guineas on that day, Stubber. Lord Heddleworth paid me in gold, I remember, for they picked my pocket of three rouleaux on the course. The prince laughed so at dinner about it, and said it was pure patriotism not to suffer exportation of bullion. A great people, the English, that I must say. The display of wealth was the grandest spectacle I ever beheld, and such beauty, too. By the way, Stubber, our ballet here is detestable. Where did they gather together that gang of horrors? What? Signifies it, sir, if the Austrian Jaegers are bivouacked in the theatre? Very true, by Jove, said the Duke, pondering. Can't we hit upon something? Have you no happy suggestion? I have it, Stubber, an admirable thought. We'll have Upton to dinner. We'll make it appear that he has come here specially to treat with us. There is a great coldness just now between St. James's and Vienna. Upton will be charmed with the thought of an intrigue. So will be La Sablukov. We'll not invite the Field Marshal Rosencrantz. That will itself offend Austria. Eh, Stubber, isn't it good? Say tomorrow at six, and go yourself with the invitation and overjoyed with the notion of his own subtlety the prince walked up and down laughing heartily and rubbing his hands in glee stubber however was too well versed in the changeability of his master's nature to exhibit any rash promptitude in obeying him you must manage to let the english papers speak of this stubber the augsburg gazette will be sure to copy the paragraph and what a sensation it will create at vienna I am inclined to think Upton has come here about that young fellow we gave up to the Austrians last autumn, and for whom he desires to claim some compensation and an ample apology. Apology, of course, Stubber, humiliation to any extent. I'll send the minister Landelli into exile, to the galleys if they insist, but I'll not pay a scudo, my royal word on it. But who says that such is the reason for his presence here? I had a hint of it last night, and I received a polite note from Upton this morning, asking when he might have a few moments' conversation with me. Go to him, Stubber, with our invitation. Ask him if he likes shooting. Say, I am going to Serravesa on Saturday. Sound him out if he desires to have the Red Cross of Massa. Hint that I am an ardent admirer of his public career, and be sure to tell me something he has said or done, if he comes to dinner. There is to be a dinner then, sir, asked Stubber, with the air of one partly struggling with a conviction. I have said so, Chevalier, replied the prince haughtily, and in the tone of a man whose decisions were irrevocable. I mean to dine in the state apartments, and to have a reception in the evening, just to show Rosencrantz how cheaply we hold him, eh, Stubber? It will half kill him to come with the general company. Stubber gave a faint sigh as though fresh complications and more troubles would be the sole results of this brilliant tactique. If I were well served and faithfully obeyed, there is not a sovereign in Europe who would boast a more independent position, protected by my bold people, environed by my native Apennines, and sustained by the proud consciousness, the proud consciousness, 
that I cannot injure a state which has not sixpence in the treasury. Eh, Stubber? cried he, with a burst of merry laughter. That's the grand feature of composure and dignity, to know you can't be worse. And this we Italian princes can all indulge in. Look at the Pope himself. He is collecting the imposts a year in advance. I hope that this country is more equitably administered, said Stubber. So do I, sir. Were I not impressed with the full conviction that the subjects of this realm were in the very fullest enjoyment of every liberty consistent with public tranquillity, protected in the maintenance of every privilege? By the way, talking of privileges, they mustn't play trotolo on the high roads. They sent one of those cursed wheels flying between the legs of my horse yesterday, so that if I hadn't been an old cavalry soldier, I might have been thrown. I ordered the whole village to be fined three hundred scudi, one half of which to be sent to the shrine of Our Lady of Loretta, who really, I believe, kept me in my saddle. If the people had sufficient occupation, they'd not play Trotolo, said Stubber sternly. And who's the fault if they have not, sir? How many months have I been entreating to have those terraced gardens finished towards the sea? I want that olive wood, too, all stubbed up, and the ground laid out in handsome parterres. How repeatedly have I asked for a bridge over that ornamental lake? And as to the island, there's not a magnolia planted in it yet. Public works, indeed. Find me the money, Stubber, and I'll suggest the works. Then there's that villa, the residence of those English people. Have we not made a purchase of it? No, Your Highness, we could not agree about the terms, and I have just heard that the stranger who is travelling with Upton is going to buy it. Stepping in between me and an object I have in view? And in my own duchy, too, and you have the hardihood to tell me you knew of and permitted this negotiation to go on? There is nothing in the law to prevent it, sir. The law? What impertinence to tell me of the law? Why, sir, it is I am the law. I am the head and fountain of all law here. Without my sanction, what can presume to be legal? I opine that the act which admits foreigners to possess property in the state was passed in the life of your highness's father. I repeal it, then. It saps the nationality of a people. It is a blow aimed at the very heart of independent sovereignty. I may stand alone in all Europe on this point, but I will maintain it. And as to this stranger, let his passport be sent to him on the spot. He may possibly be an Englishman, your highness, and remember that we have already a troublesome affair on our hands with that other youth, who in some way claims Upton's protection. Had we not better go more cautiously to work? I can see and speak with him. What a tyranny is this English interference! There is not a land from Sweden to Sicily where, on some assumed ground of humanity, your government have not dared to impose their opinions. You presume to assert that all men must feel precisely like your dogged and hard-headed countrymen, and that what are deemed grievances in your land should be thought so elsewhere. You write up a code for the whole world, built out of the materials of all your national prejudices, your insular conceit, aye, and out of the very exigencies of your bad climate. And then you say to us, blessed in the enjoyment of light hearts and God's sunshine, that we must think and feel as you do. I am not astonished that my nobles are discontented with the share you possess of my confidence, 
they must long have seen how little suited the maxims of your national policy are to the habits of a happier population the people are far better than their nobles that i'm sure of said stubber stoutly you want to preach socialism to me and hope to convert me to that splendid doctrine of communism we hear so much of you are a dangerous fellow a very dangerous fellow it was precisely men of your stamp sapped the monarchy in france and with it all monarchy in europe if your highness intends proserpine to run at bologna she ought to be put in training at once said stubber gravely and we might send up some of the weeds at the same time and sell them off well thought of stubber and there was something else in my head what was it the suppression of the san lorenzo convent perhaps it is all completed and only waits your highness to sign the deed what sum does it give us stubber eh about one hundred and eighty thousand scudi sir of which some twenty thousand go to the national mortgage fund not a crown of it not a single bahoco as i am a christian knight and a true gentleman i need it all if it were twice as much if we incur the anger of the pope and the sacred college if we risk the thunders of the vatican let us have the worldly consolation of a full purse i advise the measure on wiser grounds sir it was not fair and just that a set of lazy friars should be leading lives of indolence and abundance in the midst of a hard-worked and ill-fed peasantry quite true and on these wise grounds as you call them we have rooted them out we only wish that the game were more plenty for the sport amuses us vastly and he clapped stubber familiarly on the shoulders and laughed heartily at his jest it was in this happy frame of mind that stubber always liked to leave his master and so promising to attend to the different subjects discussed between them he bowed and withdrew End of chapter forty eight